Welcome to the house of God tonight. Happy to be here. It's always a privilege to be in his, in his presence, in his house. Just enter into a spirit of worship. We've got a wonderful service. We've got a special, we've got a special speaker. So trust you can prepare it. Amen. And when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about Shout, I'm gonna proclaim his name. Let's sing that song, Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever want to be. God bless you, Sister Tracy. It's good to see you in the house of God tonight. Been praying for you. Amen. He's our healer, amen. Oh Jesus. Oh, Lord. 
That he loves me. Yes, I'm amazed that he loves me. Why don't we all stand? Yes, I'm amazed how you came through your precious love.
amazed tonight, amazed at his love for you, amazed that he's brought you here throughout all the stormy weathers, throughout your life circumstances. What a precious love of the Lord. Victor, it's good to have you back in the house of God. Welcome home. Maybe you could come and open the service in a word of prayer for us. No, no, need, no uh, written prayer request, but I'm sure we all have a need. We're all here tonight. So pray that the Lord will come and minister to our hearts. Heavenly Father, Lord, truly, once again, it's a privilege to come into your presence tonight, Lord. Lord, to come and dwell, Father, and worship with saints of like precious faith. We thank you for this time, Lord. Father, Lord, we know from your word, O God, that everything we have need of is in us by the Holy Ghost. So, Father, Lord, the omnipotence is in the room tonight, Father. Healing is in the room tonight, Lord Jesus. Deliverance is in the room tonight, oh God. Father, oh God, our children are in the room tonight, oh God. Lord, every promise in the book is ours, Lord, and it's in the room tonight, Father. And all we have to do, Lord, is reach out by faith and lay hold of it, Lord. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Father, as the word comes across this pulpit, Lord, may we by faith, O oh God, like the woman who touched the hem of your garment, lay hold of the promise of God tonight, Lord. Lay hold of everything we have need of, Lord Jesus. Lay hold, Father, Lord, of every redemptive promise you've made, O oh God. Lord, it belongs to the bride of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we come tonight in prayer, Lord God, to give you worship and praise, Father. For, Lord, you dwell in the praises of your people, Lord God. Lord, we come, Lord, it doesn't matter what's happened this week. It doesn't matter, Father, tonight, Lord, how tired we are. But we come to give you worship. We come to lose ourselves. We come to forget who's beside us, who's behind us, who's in front of us. And we come, Father, to see you. But we see Jesus. Father, all principalities and powers are under your feet. And we see you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Lord, would you move through the aisles tonight, Father? Lest it's a Wednesday night, Father. But, Lord, it's another time to meet you, Lord. It's another time in eternity, Father. It's another time in time, Lord, to see you move once more, oh God. Lord, we aren't taking this evening for granted. Lord, we must take the earnest heed to take hold of the things which you have heard, lest at any time we shall let them slip. So, Father, we come reverently tonight in the depths of sincerity. Lord, we aren't coming to put in church time. We aren't coming for another service. But Lord, we're coming with a great expectation in our hearts to see you move in our midst once more. That from the youngest to the oldest, oh God, from the children, Lord, to the adults, to the elders in the church, Father, they can lay hold of the promises of God. For they are yea and amen, Father. So as a servant of God who set himself aside, laid aside his thoughts, laid aside his ideas to consecrate himself. Lord, we too have laid ourselves aside. We've come prepared under expectation for you to move. Lord, would you do it once more? That the blinded eyes may come open. Cancers will be delivered, Father. Lord, scales of blinded eyes, spiritual eyes will fall off. Lord, anybody battling spirits will be delivered tonight, Lord. Lord, it's in the room. 
and we can lay a hold of it by faith. Would you move in a supernatural way, Father? Lord, it will, it'll be a mess, Father, not to take time to give you praise. For the word says, Lord, if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. Father, that woman with the blood issue didn't matter her condition. It didn't matter, Father, that Jesus called her a dog. But she said, Yay, Lord! Even the dog, even the dogs eat from the crumb of the master's table. And she called you Lord. She said, Lord, help me. And Father, tonight we want to cry out, Lord, help us, Father. In the midst of this untoward generation, in the midst of this evil generation, Father, we cry out, Lord, help us once more through the preaching of your word and come and set us free, Father, and lift us up into higher heights and deeper objectives, Father. Take a hold of your servant tonight and speak to our hearts, Father. Give us strength we need for the days ahead, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just sing that little song. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Sister Julie, I believe you have a special. If you could make your way, you may have your seats. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all. from BCA, there will be a concert, BCA Christmas concert next week, Thursday the 15th. So if you want to note that down, there's the notices on the bulletin. God bless you, Sister Julie. Praise the Lord. God bless you all. Again, again. 
formed against you shall prosper. Amen? Amen. So sing, we exalt thee, we exalt thee. As we <clears throat> worship the Lord a little bit more. I was listening to the prophet today and he was talking about worship and he was saying, it's not exactly just singing a song, but it's recognizing the presence of God until we get into the spirit of worship and he bounces back. He said, he bounces back. Do you want him to bounce back tonight? You want to feel that presence in your life? Amen. That's what we live for. We exalt
song once more as he comes out. All hail King Jesus. Amen. We want to lift his name up on high as he comes to deliver the word to us, as he comes to speak to our souls. Let's just open up our, our hearts tonight. Amen. All hail King we come before you, O oh God, you the King of kings, the King of our heart, the King of our lives. Lord Jesus, we come committing ourselves to you, Father. We come giving you all the praise, O oh God. We come giving you our lives, Lord Jesus. We come committing the service to you, Father. Oh Jesus, if you will not come, Lord Jesus, tonight, those service will be in vain. So we pray, Heavenly Father, even in the beginning of this service, that the King of Kings will be manifested Himself, Lord Jesus. Oh God, speak to us, Father. We give you our lives. We give you everything, Lord Jesus. Take the full preeminence, O oh God, of the service and all that we are. We love you, Jesus. To you be all the glory once again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Well, God bless you. I see you all standing. Maybe we can just take our Bible. Uh, going to read a couple of scripture, and then I'll have you sit. Um, I read the first uh, Genesis chapter 18. going to read from verse 17 to verse 19. The the Bible says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram the thing which I do? Seeing that Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, for the Lord may bring upon Abram that that which he has spoken of him. Amen. One more, another scripture in the book of Jeremiah, chapter Verse uh, 15 to verse 17. Thus said the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rahel weeping for his children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus said the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thy eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Man, tonight we'll be speaking of Deep yearning for full restoration. Uh, a subtitle we speak on family. Let's bow our head one more time for a word of prayer. Lord, we read your word, we read your word. We are just human beings, Father, but you are God. And this Bible was not written by men, but written by God. And you promise in your word, wherever place this message will be preached that same angel of the Lord will be there all we need is you Jesus come Heavenly Father I pray I have no ability of my own but I pray that you will come Father take the vessel aside and speak to your people even one word that can be an encouragement to us to draw us more closer to you 
to love you more and serve you, Father. We give you once again the service. To you be all the glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <coughs> I'd like to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know uh, I don't think I need any introduction. I'm just feeling myself at home. And I really appreciate the invitation of Brother Tom uh, and the trust that he has uh, given us to be able to come and speak to you. Uh, though it was a short notice, but we have uh, to make it. Amen. We just trust that, you know, God does not count, uh, depend on people, but his God is sovereign. And we just want to uh, uh, commit everything to him and trust that you will have the full preeminence. I learned one thing in my life, when you are under stress or when you feel like you've been set up, you know, you, it's, 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 it's around this time that you can really count on God, because you know that in yourself you cannot do anything. You know that you uh, exhaust all your ability, but you just let it go and trust that God will take the full preeminence over all. And I believe, certainly believe tonight, and I pray, and I just say to God, I don't know, it's not depend on how much I study or how much I prepare, but it just depends on you to come tonight. And I trust you all can agree with me. We can pray and believe that God will take the preeminence over the service. And I'd like to bring you greetings from the church in Renton. I know that uh, many would have loved to come, but again, they did not have enough notice to be able to come. But uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of them are streaming the service, and we uh, want to send you the greetings. Our pastor is here, Brother David, and we, uh, many, I'm pretty sure would have loved to come, but I'm sure they're uh, streaming the service. And I think... Uh, uh, as they're streaming too, that God will also meet them, yeah, whatever place they are, and will also minister to them. Uh, a week ago, we went to, uh, my family went to Adao, we went to minister to a group of people in Sandpoint. I was talking with them over the phone, and they asked me also to send their greetings. Uh, Brother Ross sent his greeting to Brother Tom, and uh, certainly a few of us probably might know uh, the believers over there. And whoever is streaming, we just pray that God will come and we minister to them and he will have uh, whatever God has prepared for us. So tonight, as I was thinking of this thought, it's just been laying in my mind for lately, uh, a deep thought, my theme was family. I was just thinking of that thought of family all throughout, uh, I would say probably about a month or so. And it's been just kind of bubbling in my mind. And tonight I was thinking of, um, kind of tied it up with, as I said, a deep yearning for a full restoration. You know, but what I'm saying in the message, our church and its condition of 1956, it said, now I want to speak to you this morning on a parable on some way that even the most unchurched person in here 
will be able to understand. And now we say, now we come to church to better ourselves. We come to make ourselves better people, better Christians, better citizens, better fathers, better mothers, better neighbors. That is the purpose why all of us have come. We come so that we can be better than we were yesterday. A Christian life is a life that we're going up and up. It's not a life that we're going backward. Every day when God brings his word, or the purpose of the word, is to help us to better ourselves. It's not like we were were wrong yesterday. It's not like what we were doing was wrong. But it's just that God is always new every day. It's the infinite fountain of life. It's infinite resource of life. So you cannot exhaust God. You cannot get tired of him. And if someone calls himself a son of God or a daughter of God, and he put himself in that condition, you can always better yourself. All that's going to happen, you're just going to make one step higher and higher. And that is the purpose of coming to church, the prophet of God say. It's not like... uh, You come and then you just remain static. You know, our life as a Christian is not supposed to remain the same for all long. There has to be an improvement. There has to be a step. And when we come to church, it's a better place or a right place where God can help us to step one foot forward. Where God can help us to get more closer to him. A man who is just remains static, that's not the purpose of God. Life will always grow. Everywhere there is life, there is always a growth. Uh, you will never see one place where life is and then it remains like that. And if the word of God has life, there has to be a growth. If the word of God has life, there has to be a, a, a bettering. There has to be a step forward. And God can use anyone. To help us better ourselves. God can use any way to help us better ourselves. Because he's a sovereign God. He's unlimited. His purpose, because his life, his purpose is to see us growing. And he can use anyone. In the Old, in the old Testament, God can use a prophet, a child prophet, to proclaim the oracles of God. He could use any person who probably seems to be inexperienced. Someone will come and tell you certain thing that you might think that person does not have a lot of experience, but God can anoint that person for a purpose to better yourself, for a purpose to help you grow. So our attitude as Christian and son of God is just to say, Lord, I'm laying myself here. Help me to better myself. I'm committing my life here. Whatever way you have to speak to me, or whatever person you choose to speak to me, I'm just deciding myself that I will lay myself aside so that I can get better with you. And that is the purpose of God always. But I thought here tonight, yearning for full restoration. If you read with me in the book of Joel, chapter 2, 
Joel chapter 2, verse 25. We are familiar with that scripture. Verse 25. The Bible said, And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which are sent among you. And Brother Bonham picked that, uh, that scripture to say that this is the promise for our time. And it's also connected with Acts chapter 3. I'm sorry, we're going to do some uh, more reading to lay a foundation here. In Acts chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says that, And you shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven shall receive until the time of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And that's again a promise for our time. Now, if you look at how the Bible precise here, the word restitution also means restoration. The Bible said that uh, whom the heaven, Jesus uh, Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of full restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Yeah. There is a precision here. It's not just in the Old Testament. It's not just the New Testament. But since God created the world, since the beginning of the world, since all the promises that God has put from the beginning of the world, the promise here, the Bible said that Jesus will be kept until the time of the full restoration. So the time where all the promises that God has said, that God has proclaimed through the mouth of his holy prophet. From the beginning of the world, they had to come to the fullness of that restoration. And here, you take all the promises, including in the Old Testament. If God promised healing, we're living in a time of the full restoration of healing. If God ever promised salvation, we're living in a time of the full restoration of salvation. If God ever promised anything, we're living in a time of the fullness of that restoration. That's why you will remember, Paul could have said in the book of Corinthians, and he said that once when I was a child, I thought like a child. I think like a child. But when I will grow old, when I, 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 I grow old, I let go of the chalice. And he said there will come a time where perfection will come. There will come a time of a full restoration. Then I will know as I, I, I was before. Then all the things that I, I, I'm not able to understand now, God will bring it to the full restoration. And God has sent us a message 
with that commission. Malachi 4 came with a, uh, with a commission for a full restoration. And the children of God, the yearning for that restoration. A son of God, anyone, a daughter of God who believe this message, we left that yearning, the groaning for that full restoration. Not a partial restoration. Not some part of restoration. But the full restoration of the word of God has to happen, has to be applied in this generation. And that restoration is not just in heaven. It's not in the millennium. When Adam fell, what Adam lost, he did not lose in the millennium. He did not fall in heaven, but he lost it on earth. And if God has to restore the children of God, he has to restore them here on earth. So you and I are the living people. We are the last people in God's hands to be able to testify, to be able to witness the full restoration of God. We're living in a time where we have to yearn for that restoration. We have to have that desire to see that full restoration. You know, the word yearning, the English word yearning, means a feeling of intense longing of something. If someone yearning for something, it's not like a hope. It's not like a desire. A yearning is deeper than that. If someone yearns for something, they say it means a strong feeling of wishing for something, especially something that you cannot have or get easily. So when you yearn for something, it's almost the impossible. Something that you know that somewhere you cannot get it. Easily, but you're longing for it. And there is a witness down in your heart that tells you you can still have it. Your eyes can look and say that it's impossible. Your your touch, your feeling can look and you cannot feel it. You think like it's impossible. You cannot hear it. Your ear can tell you it's impossible. Your test can tell you it's impossible. But down deep inside you, there is a sixth sense that will tell you keep yearning on it. Don't give up. You pray until. You desire until. And the child of God who believes this message is yearning for a full restoration. God has promised that. God is not a man like you and I to say a word and laugh uh, and, and then make a lie. Or just give a promise for the sake of it. If he promised, that means he will take care of it. If he promised, that means it must happen. And if God promised something, a child of God who read the promise of God, he yearned for that promise. He has a deep desire for that promise. Regardless of what your five senses can tell you, but you rely on the sixth sense. You know I shall get it. Why? Because everything is possible to my God. And there is nothing impossible to God. And there is nothing impossible to the person who yearns. A person who has faith, who believes in God. And God is calling us to have a yearning, a deep yearning for the things of God. A deep yearning 
for the full restoration. And I'm urging you tonight, I'm urging you tonight, you choose to yearn. Regardless of what you can see. Well, probably by God's grace, we've got to get to a point. But regardless of what you can see, you disregard what you see. But choose to yearn. Choose to believe. Choose to accept the word of God. When God promised that, he will make sure that thing will come to pass. Nothing is impossible to him. We know about our father Abraham. He was there in his age. He got called from God. He was in his old age, and he had a promise. After many years, 25 years after, when all the things were showing that it's impossible, his body was telling him it's impossible. Whatever you can see, if you have to meet a friend, the friend will tell him, whatever you're thinking, it's impossible. If you have have to fellowship with someone, maybe in a nice way, they tell him, man, just keep hope, but it's impossible. You know, let's let, let just forget about it. But the Bible says, Abraham yearned in his heart. He looked to the things which cannot be seen as if it could have happened. Regardless of what he could have seen, regardless of what he could have feel, regardless of what he could have feel, but the, that did not change the yearning that Abraham had in his heart. That did not change the yearning that God has put upon his heart. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm just going to go... Uh, ahead of myself, regardless of what you can see, God has promised to you, your family. Regardless of what you can see, how impossible the situation can be, how hard the situation can be, how many things that whatever person can tell you, our God has promised to you, your family. And what I will tell you as a church of God, keep yearning for the promises of God. Don't look to the impossible, but look to what God has said. Look to the promises of God, and that promise never fail. In the book of Genesis, chapter 18, that we read, if you can turn it again. (coughs) Sorry. The Bible says here in verse 17. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram that thing which I do? So we know all the account. Before that day, Abram saw three people coming, and the one in the middle was God, uh, God himself. And the Lord said to uh, 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 when you know, uh, Abram had to turn them, and they were sitting and we know the story. But now, as they were about to depart, as God was about to depart, to leave, the Bible said that the Lord said, shall I add from Abram that thing which I do? Seeing that Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now watch this, verse 19. That's where I want to uh, draw your attention. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. 
And yet God is debating himself. He's thinking in his mind. Like I say, our God is, does not think like us. I can think one thing and act the opposite. I can say something, but I'm thinking another thing. But God is not like that. His thoughts are perfect. His actions are the same. They are, his words are the same. When he says something, he means it. When he thinks something, he means it. When he does something, he also means it. And now here he was debating upon himself. He was thinking, I'm about to say this secret. Am I going to add this secret to Abraham? And then he said, no, I'm not going to add it. And he gave the reason why he decided to tell Abraham whatever thing he had in his heart to say. The Bible says in verse 19, For I know that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So God saw in Abraham a person who was connected with his family. That was the only reason that God see. And he said, I see this person. I see that he will command his children. He will, he will command his household. I see in his person that he's going to continue my work with his family. Amen. And that drove the heart of God. And he said, I'm not going to hide whatever I'm about to say to Abraham. Why? Because he's connected with a desire for his family. He had a passion for his family. Amen. Now, here Abraham did not even have Isaac yet. Isaac was not born yet. But inside of Abraham was that deep desire of a father for a family. Was that deep concern to instruct his children. Though they were not there, he had that desire that I'm going to continue the work of God. And God see, I'm going to have a witness here on earth. I'm going to have a family here that will serve me. I'm going to have a person, a head of a family here, that will instruct his children to continue my work. As I see the nation falling down, as I see the nation falling apart, but I have Abraham, I have my son, I I can see from him that he has a desire to instruct his family. And the Bible promised to us, Luke 17.30, what happened in the time of Lot? What happened in the time of Abraham? Will also happen at the coming of the Son of Man. What happened? God spoke to Adam, uh, to Abraham. He deserved the thought of, of Sarah. But again, he talked to Abraham about the thing that he was about to do. And the only way that drove him to speak like that, he gave himself an answer. Because I see in Abraham is a man who is concerned of his family. And that's the heart of God. Because our God loves family. Our God is a... He does not just want to remain like this, God. But he loves family. But what I'm saying is that he loves fatherhood in so much that he became the son of man in order for him to be father. Why? Because he can live with people. He can live with his, uh, with his children. God was the one that covered the earth, uh, that, that, that covered all the surfaces. I'm, I'm going to uh, read this quote. 
The prophet of God says in the book of adoption, uh, adoption 1, I'm just going to read it straight from the prophet. He said, But in Genesis chapter 2, when he made men, he said, I am Yahweh, Jehovah. Yes, sir. And he said, what did it mean? I am the all-existing one who has created something of, of myself. To be a son of mine, a temporary and an amateur little one of mine. And the prophet said, glory. Why? He gave man. Jehovah means, this is the prophet. Jehovah means that he gave man to be the amateur God. Because he's the father God. And he made a man an amateur God. So he isn't self-existing anymore. So he does not want to be self-existing he wants to have a family. Amen. And I will continue. He exists with his family. El Ela Elohim now is Jehovah. Jehovah means the one who exists with his family. So God who was an all-sufficient one. He was covering all the universe. He was self-sufficient, self-existing. And everything was in him. And he said, no, I don't like this position. I'm going to change my, my nature. I'm going to change myself. I will leave from the, from the, uh, the position of El Elah, Elohim, to become Jehovah. Meaning God with his family. Now you see the connection here. God always been a family person. He always loved family. Imagine he created all the archangels. He created all the angels, millions of them. Probably they live for many years or billions of years. All that they do, holy, holy, is the Lord Almighty. Wake up in the morning, or they don't wake up. Uh, uh, holy, holy, is the Lord, or the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. For thousands and billions of years. God just sitting there, holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. And we look and he say, but in me there is, uh, there is healing too. In me there is a power of transformation. In me there is forgiveness. But these people, all they know, holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. And those archangels with all the power that they might have, or all the abilities they might have, all that they can have, the only revelation they have, holy, holy, is the Lord God Almighty. God say, that's not what I want. I'm going to leave this position and I want to become Jehovah. And he created man in his image so that he can become Jehovah. Now the children of God, more than the, the angels, when they will look to God, they will say, he is my Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord that provides for my need. When I need healing, when I need healing, he is my Jehovah Rapha. When I need his presence, he is my Jehovah Shammah. I can see him as my Elohim. I can see him as my El Shaddai. I can see him as my God. I can see him as my liberator. I can see him as the one who breaks my chains. I can see him as the one who changed my life. And the worship now changed. The communion now changed. And God loved that. Instead of just sitting there and almost get bored for thousands and billions of years, 
holy, holy. He's the Lord God Almighty. But he said, but I want people that can be enjoying my presence. They will recognize that I'm the one that healed them. They will recognize that I'm the one that changed the situation. Someone who can look at the situation, he will look things are going wrong, and he will say, my Lord Jesus, I took that situation and turned it around. Praise be the name to the Lord. And God loves family. The only way he can receive that kind of worship by being with his family. That's why when he even comes as Jesus, the Bible says he shall be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. So God does not just want to be above us, but he wants to be Emmanuel, God with us. The God that can be a high priest, that can be touched by the feeling of your infirmity. When you cry, he can feel your crying. When you are in need, he can feel your need. He can come and hold you by your hand and walk with you in a narrow way and show you the way to show that he's the God connected with his family. He loves family wood. And God had that desire to always have family. And we know what about I'm talking of the story of how he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? God can come down in the cool of the evening to fellowship with his family. His son will come, his daughter will come, and they can just talk. They can discuss. What happened? Uh, what happened? What did you do today? Oh, God, I was looking around, and I saw this big animal with a lot of fluffy things, and I call him Lion. And God said, that's right. I love that. That's my son. He cut my revelation. You get the right name. I saw this long animal with a long neck. And I call him giraffe. And God will love, he will love that. And he said that you cut my attention. You, 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 you have my, my, my thought. You have exactly what I'm thinking. In the family, there was a family bound. And God can have that, could have seen that bound with Adam and Eve. And he loved that. And the prophet of God said in a message, uh, oneness. And he said that, <coughs> now the first man and the first woman in the garden, speaking of the family, in the garden of Eden, was in perfect harmony with God. So much that God could come down at any time he desired and talk lip to ear with Adam and Eve. That's how it was. And he said, now, that is a perfect oneness. God and his creation. God speaking lip to ear with Adam and Eve. And they were so perfect in harmony with God till they were one with God. God and his family was one. That's how it was at the first family that God had in his mind. At the beginning of the creation, in the first family, Adam and Eve and God, they were in one accord. God can come and speak lip to ear to Adam and Eve, and they were in one accord. They were in harmony. And now the prophet continues to say, any man and his family, a correct, 
good, noble, obedient family is one with another. So the same way as God started it with Adam and Eve, the prophet of God said, that's how we're supposed to be. Any man and his family, a correct, good, noble, obedient family is one with another. Any family. And if there is something in the family that moves them apart, then it's not right. The family is broken somewhere. They should all be one. Now watch this. Father with the mother. Mother with father. Children with parents. Parents with children. All in agreement. And when you see that, you see the one lovely picture. So if God ever thought of a family, he did not change the pattern. Since Adam and Eve, they were all in one accord. They were all one. The children with the Father God in one accord. The husband and the wife in one accord. And the prophet of God said, that's how it's supposed to be with the family here on earth. The thought of God is to see that the family be that same unity, that same harmony as there was during Adam and Eve. And that's a pattern that God loved to see. That's a pattern that God always wished to see. And it's supposed to be like that. And that's what God had in his mind. If something goes wrong, then there is something uh, wrong there. But God loved to see the family in one accord. I would say you can be identified with this quote. We all came with a family, from a family. God has called us from different family. But if there is a picture, if there is a pattern of the kind of family that God is looking for, or God had in his mind, was to see that harmony. If there is not that harmony, there is something wrong. That, what the prophet of God say. And in the message, there are certain sound. Just watch with me. I'm laying a little foundation here. The prophet say, now let's just take something else that's uncertain. He say, just so many things, jobs is uncertain. You don't know what time you're working today, and tomorrow you don't know. It's just uncertain. The things of this life that we see, it's uncertain. And Brother Bonham did not stop there. And he continued here. You can just listen to me carefully. He said, let's take also home life is uncertain. God wants to see an harmony, but we're living in an age where it's uncertain. That harmony becomes uncertain. The things of this world are making it hard. For us to see the type of family as it was in the Garden of Eden. But tonight, we're calling on to restoration. As the Bible promised in the book of Acts that we read, that restoration has to be the kind of restoration since the beginning of the world. Since at the beginning, as God started the family, God has to restore us back as the harmony was. But we live in an age where it's so uncertain. The life is making it uncertain. Marriage life becomes uncertain. 
Family life become a certain. And most of us here, we probably can have one witness or another. You are just uncertain how the children are going to grow. You are just uncertain where they go to school, what's going to happen to them. It's uncertain. You're just uncertain what's going to happen when they go to, to the job. It's just uncertain whatever's going to happen there. Life makes family life so uncertain. And the nation that we live in, everything showing that the thing or the life of a family become uncertain. But to you and I, God has given us a message of resurrection. When all the things seem to be uncertain, God promised that in the word of God, there is certainty. That whatever we see being uncertain over there, in God's word, it is certain. It is certain to have a, have a family in harmony. It is certain to have your children in your house. It is certain to have a, fa- a father and a mother in harmony. It is certain to have the children be in harmony with the father. As we see this whole world are crawling apart, but God giving us a message, a way for a certainty. You know, a family is the unit of a nation. If you, you want to break a nation, break the, the family. The moral of the United States is broken. It started from the family. The life of this world is broken. It started from the family. And it's just going to go crumbling uh, 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 down, go all the way down to break the whole nation. And then it just does not stop there. A church also is formed of a family. If you want to break a church, you break a family. And I will say, if the devil wants to destroy a church, if the devil wants to attack a church, if the devil wants to do some harm to the church, he will not just come here and start preaching you some false doctrine. Most of you can cut the false doctrine. You will kick Brother Daniel out very easy. The deacon will come and pull him out. Because you can see this is a false doctrine. The devil will not come and tempt you with the things that's so obvious for you to be afraid of. You, will, you can avoid it easy. But how can the devil attack the church? How can the devil bring our oppression to the church by touching the family? By bringing some pressure to the family. Because he knows that if I can nail the family, I will break the church. If I can, if I can break the family, I can, I can, if I can make that family sad, one or two families sad, they will come to church sad, and the whole service will be cooled off. If I will let this family go through some troubles, I will make them miss church. I have two or three or four of them missing. We're all going to go back to the COVID time. It's going to be empty. What happened? It's the family that formed the church. And if God has to preserve a church, if God has to restore a church, if God has to give power to the church, he will also start from the family. Just as the devil to come and try to destroy a church, he will come from a family. The same way also, if God has to bring a revival in the church, it will start reviving a family. He will be concerned of reviving a family. Because you know that if I can revive this family, I have two or three of this family. One will bring this leak of fire. 
Another one bring his liquor fire. And three or four of them bring the liquor fire. The whole church will be full of the fire of God. Why he comes from a family. A family that's been revived causes a church to be revived. A family that comes uh, that, that God is working on to cause a church also to be benefit of it. So God connect the family with everything. You will read with me. Uh, you probably don't have to turn. But we do this exercise a lot at home. I'm just kind of watching my time. I was told that um, I have all the free time uh, before 9 o'clock. So <laughs> I will do my best to watch that. So we do this exercise at home. We, we read the Bible with my family and we sometimes just uh, read random uh, scriptures. And sometimes we come to, you know, I give an example, First Chronicle chapter 1 or chapter 2. You know, we all come across that scripture. Or sometimes in a book of Deuteronomy or, you know, different scripture might have it. You will see a place where they start just naming people names. You know, this one, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so. And then you go for chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and the name are even harder for you to read. So, you know, if you read your Bible by yourself, you will just think, you know, you probably can just go through it. But if you read with a toddler, then it becomes hard. You're trying to bring some moral of the story. And you just don't know what kind of moral story you will bring from there. All that you read was son of so-and-so, and son of so-and-so, and son of so-and-so. And, now, you know, I, I, one time I become very serious about it. And it started kind of bothering me. You know, now I'm a father, you know. Uh, I need to be able to uh, make some comments on this chapter. And I don't know what comments I can make. So then I kept thinking. And one time I believed the Lord just helped me. And I was thinking so deep. I said, why is it like, you know, there is those difficult scriptures to read. And then just something just came in my mind. And I just want to share with you. Something came in my mind like God was showing before he start anything, he want to tell you who was involved into that thing. Right. You know, you start the book of Chronicles, they will give you the name of the people there. Before this event and event happened, it was not just an event. It did not come down from heaven. There was literally people. There was a family. There was this one, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, and then those two together, all of them together, then the event happened. It was not just there for the sake of it, but God had in his mind to name the family. To tell you that there was a revival here, it was not just coming from heaven. There was family involved in there. There was a war in there. It did not just come up like that. There was family involved. There was a sin in here. It did not just happen like that. There was a family there. And God pointing throughout the Bible that all the things that you will see in the Bible, the character that you will see in the Bible, they were not just something that come from heaven. They were human beings. They were family. People with sorrows. People with struggles. People going through all kinds of things that God was dealing with them. The same way as God was dealing with these people, he wanted also to show you the same way as I deal with these normal people. 
I can also deal with you. The same way as I deal with those families, I can also deal with your family. Through your family, I can reproduce exactly what happened in the Old Testament. I can reproduce exactly what these people done. When Joshua will look and he will tell the people, choose today whom you want to serve. Choose if you want to go back to your the other God. Choose if you want to serve the other God. Joshua will look and he say, if whatever choice you will make, let me tell you one thing. Me and my house, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And whoever is on my side will follow me also in service for the Lord. If that happened in the time of Joshua, God is going to show us those people where we are people. They have headache like us. They have problems like us. But the difference here is that they decided, they said, my family will become an instrument for God to use. Just like Abraham, we say, God testified of Abraham. And he said, that, I know for sure that Abraham made that decision before even he left his son, before even Isaac come, come. I know Abraham will be a man of my heart. I know Abraham will instruct his children to follow God's word. And the same way also God wants people. Just imagine if there is no one to serve God. If all of us we come down, if all of us we will not serve God, then who's gonna serve him? The Bible said that he can rise up the stone to make them children of Abraham. But God does not want that. So in another way, he is connected with his family to be the representation of God in your nerve, to be the expression of God's will in your nerve, that the action will be the thought of God. When they go out, they become the voice of God. They become the expression of God. The action, God can come and bring a solution through that family. And it's always been a desire of God to see that being coming to pass. In the book of Psalm, chapter 2, it looks like I'm close to 9 o'clock. In the book of Psalm, chapter 2, oh, I'm just going to try to go fast. Sorry, I took a lot of time. The Bible says here in the verse, uh, verse 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, Why do the heathen range? And the people imagine vain things. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So any ruler, any king of this world, any, any uh, form of ruling of this world, they have one goal. They have one purpose, to be against God and to be against his anointed. To be against God and to be against the word of God. And the, prophet, the Bible continues, they say, let us break the bands asunder and cast away the codes from us. In another way, let us divide them. Let us cause some trouble among them. And that is the purpose of the kings of this world. That is the purpose of the rulers of this world. That is the purpose of the influencer of this world. That is the purpose of the highest Instagram of this world. That is the purpose of whatever thing that we see on, the, on this world was for one purpose, to cause a family to be broken. To cause the people of God 
to be broken. But the Bible, the Bible says that he that sitteth in the heaven uh, shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Whatever the king of this world, whatever they are, the, the rulers of this world, they have in their mind against the family of God, against the children of God, God look at them and he have them in derision. He laugh at them. Why can he laugh at them? Because he know that to my family, to my children, I give them the word. I give them a message. I give them the power. I give them the weapon to fight the devil in any season, in any circumstance, in any situation. They will stand in the family to serve God regardless of what they're seeing around. Regardless of the pressure of this world. Regardless of what the devil might try to throw. But God is giving us a word. God is giving us a message to help us stand as a family. Regardless of the condition of this age. To serve God regardless of the age. And God is faithful in his word. To close my thought here, I'm gonna, we, we want to go back to the scripture that we read in the book of Jeremiah. My time was just flying very fast. I don't know how. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 31. We're just going to try to uh, bring it to a close here. The Bible says that we read, That said the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, where her weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they were not. That said the Lord, refrain that voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, said the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. In Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse uh, 17. Here, uh, the fulfillment of this, script, uh, this prophecy. Now, the Bible said, we know the story. Herod was killing the children. And it says here, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for his children, and would not be comforted because they were not. So we know this story in a time of Jesus. At the birth of Jesus, Herod brought up in jealousy. He wanted to kill all the baby. And he had no mercy. He was killing all the baby from two years old and under. And what about I'm saying? That was in a second exodus. You know, we know there is three exodus. That same spirit that was in Herod was exactly the same spirit that was in Pharaoh in the first exodus. In the first exodus, what happened? Pharaoh was anointed, a king was anointed to cause troubles in families. He will destroy the kids. He will throw them to the, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to the rivers. He will kill them. And during that time, it became so normal. 
People will become normal. They can see that and they will think that, oh, that was normal. The children was destroyed in the first exodus. They were killed in the first exodus. But as they were being killed, God also had a way to preserve his seed. Moses was protected by God. Moses was preserved by the almighty hand of God at the first exodus. Now follow the pattern. In the second exodus, that same spirit come again, destroying the children. That same spirit come again to cause trouble in the family. If that was the same in the first exodus, if that was the case in the second exodus, I believe in the third exodus, that same spirit is exactly doing the same thing. We're living in a time where abortion being accepted. They can kill baby. They can kill all kinds of human being. They can do all kinds of fifty thing in a natural way, just as they did. That same exact spirit that was with Herod, that same exact spirit that was with Pharaoh, being anointed the king and the rulers of this world. And that was in a natural way. But I say in a spiritual way, they're actually also doing the exact same thing. They can destroy if they have a chance to. They will destroy a family. They will take that child. This mother was there crying for her children because they were not. And the Bible said that there was no one to comfort him. The ruler did something. They took the children away. They brought sorrow. But the mother was crying for a restoration. Down inside his heart, there was a deep yearning for restoration. And he did not know how it's going to happen. But he said, Lord, my children. Lord, I cry for my children. I cry for my daughter. I cry for my son. I cry for what you have given me. I cry for what you have promised to me. He had a, she had a yearning for the restoration. And the Bible promised in Jeremiah, the Bible said, cry not, Rachel. Don't cry. You see your children being taken away. They will come back again in a time of restoration. The, the cry that you have, you have made, the, 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 the God's going to come and reward you for your cry. He will reward you for your lamentation. He will reward you for your yearning. The yearning that you have, seeing your children be destroyed, God will restore it back. The same way as he did with Rachel, I believe it's the exact same way that he will do to you and I. We're living in a time where our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just imagine the time of uh, Ahab. Uh, I mean, at uh, the time of uh, Rahab. Rahab was there. She was a prostitute. We know the story. She did not know anything in terms of the word of God. She did not know anything. She was not someone that you can come and have a good conversation with her. But what Rahab made, a decision that he made, he received the messenger. But what I'm saying, that he re- she received the tapes in, his, uh, in her house. She received the message for a time. And as she received the message for a time, she looked around and she said, now you are going. This whole city will be destroyed. This whole nation will be destroyed. But what will happen to me? Rahab had to yearn. She had to ask for a family. And the only privilege that she had, she received the message. She was a woman of evil, of, 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 uh, 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 not a good reputation. She was a woman that you will not spend time with. She was a woman that you will call prostitute. 
But the difference here is she received the message. And because she received the message, she had a yearning for a family. She had a yearning for the people that belong to him. Where can look around and she will say, Jericho will be destroyed, but I don't want my children to be destroyed. I don't want to see my family to be destroyed. I have a yearning for a full restoration for my family. I have a desire, a longing to see God fulfilling his promise. You and I also, we were people of nowhere. We came, we did not have any nation. We did not have any friend. We were forsaken in denominations. But God sent us a message. We have received the message of the hour. We have received the promise of the hour. We have received the messenger. We have received the message. And because of that, we also come just like Abraham and claim our family. We have a right to claim our family. I don't care what situation you might be, but God is giving you a right, just as he gave with Rahab, to claim your family. He's giving you a right, the same ability that Rahab has. He has nothing to do with your justification. He has nothing to do with whatever holiness you might have. But he has to do with the fact that I accepted Malachi 4. I accepted the message of the hour. Because of that, I claim my family. Because of that, I applied the token. I applied, I have a right to apply the token for my family. And it's a deep yearning. I will pray until I will see that happen. I will pray until God will change the situation and my family will be restored. We will pray as a church until we see the backsliding one coming back home again. We will yearn as a church. We have a right to yearn. We have a right to call because we have received the message of the hour. And because of that, we apply the token. We have a right to yearn that the same God who did the same exact thing to Rahab is the same God that we're serving today. Whatever person that we might have, whatever man that we might have in our mind, God is capable to restore them in fullness. Like we say in the beginning, when you yearn, don't look at the circumstances. When you're yearning, don't look at what your eyes is telling you. Don't look at how hard it can be. Don't look at how impossible it can be. But look to the promise of God. Look to the token that you have applied. I don't care how hard it might be. I don't care how impossible it might be. I don't care how it might seem in your eyes. But I'm deep yearning because I have received the message of the hour. The message has given me a right to reclaim, to claim for a full restoration. This message is giving you a right to claim the full restoration. And this church that God is giving us after 50 years, a year of jubilee, and a time of jubilee, it was a time of restoration. A time when a person will look around and he will say, what did I lost? What did I forget? What did I lost? It's a time where they will blow the trumpet. It's a time of jubilee. And this time also, as a church of the living God, we have a right to reclaim. We have a right to claim what belongs to us. We have a right to yearn for what belongs to us. God, the same God, is capable to restore the family exactly the same way as he did in the Garden of Eden. Do you serve that same God? It's not impossible. It's not hard. It did happen. It will also happen. It did happen with Abraham. It did happen with Joshua. And the same God that promised the same thing 
will also fulfill it to you and I in this age. We call for a deep restoration. There has to be a deep yearning upon our heart. You pray once, we pray until. I have faith once, I will have faith until. I don't care if I have to die with my faith. I'd rather die with my faith that my children will come back than to have to lose hope, than to lose to quit. But I have a faith. I can claim what belongs to me. God is giving you and I a right to claim what belongs to us. God is giving you and I a privilege with the message that we have received to claim a full restoration. Did the locusts, did the canker worm, did they all those animals, did they bite anything in the church? But the prophet of God say, it's a time of the restoration of the bride tree. It's a time of a full restoration. But that depends on how much you will be willing to yield. You yearning until God will see the promises of God being fulfilled in my life. And that is the desire that God wants to see among his people. Those who will yearn for a full restoration. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. I'm just going to invite you. I was seven minutes from the record, but that's fine. Well, did you enjoy that? Yeah. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Look what God's raising up. The Bible says in the last, or the prophet said in the last times, it'll be a quick, short work. You know, people look at these young, and you say, well, they're young men. Well, they know more in their little finger than every little th- theologian might know in what we call in the world. And God is a God of revelation, not a God of learning. So if a man waits on God, I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 60. It doesn't have to do with age, folks. It has to do with the revelation of how God deals with a man. And I say God dealt with a man tonight. And, and that, was a, that was a masterpiece. Amen. Absolute masterpiece. I, you know, I, I, I don't even add to that. That is phenomenal. But we're here on a Wednesday night as a family. Amen. We're here as a family. And I can testify that the God that saved me saved my family. Did we fight for them? Yes, we did. Did we cry with them? Yes, we did. Did we we call on God for them? Yes, we did. And now we got some young families here. And you got them in your arms, and it's very sweet. Very sweet. And they'll become 10 years old, and they'll say, yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. And then they get 13 and they'll say, maybe not daddy. <laughs> then they'll become 16 and they'll know more than daddy ever knew. And so the challenge of it is young couples and young, and young ones. You're going to need a message like this that you heard tonight. Because you're going to have to shake Satan's kingdom to keep your family. And I, and I, and I believe that God prepares us for those times. And that's why God gave us a message. The world can have their world. 
But my world is my family. And our family is called the family of God. And God bless you to support the Word of God on a Wednesday night because you were edified and you were built up in the faith. And uh, I thank God that Brother Daniel could have his liberty. I said, Brother David, what's this business about? I didn't give you enough time. Let's, let's deal with that as a family. <laughs> I, I, re, I remember we, um, my, my brother-in-law, Brother Mike Hunt, and I, I do love to lay before the Lord myself. I like to study. I like to read my Bible. I like to, to get into the message. And Mike would always say to me sometimes, he says, you study way too much. I go, well, I, I thought you could never do it too much. No, brother, you got the word in you. Daniel. <laughs> you got the word in you, brother. <laughs> and we're thanking God for what God's doing for the family of God. And so we want to thank the Lord Jesus. We could not hold our families outside of this message. There's nothing outside of this message that's going to build up your family. And if we would take the word of God and be serious with it, as young couples, as you give yourself to it, it is, it is having not just an authoritative position, it is a family position, as, as, as Jesus is a kind heavenly father. And may the Lord Jesus give you the wisdom that will be needed in the days ahead. And I just thought that was a masterpiece tonight. Let's stand to our feet. Just give me your hand. (laughs) Just give me your hand.
I, I, I wouldn't give up. I'd do exactly what the preacher preached about tonight. Satan, loose them. Talk about the restoration of the bride tree. You've got the right to enforce because the enforcer is here. Uh, you know, I, I wrote down here, Brother Daniel, when you're talking about children and raising children, you have a lot of comforters. Everybody will have some comforters. You get one son saved and they say, oh, wait till the other one grows up. He's never going to, you know, he's going to have his trials. You know what we did, Joanna, Sister Joanna? We just denied that devil. So don't let that, we didn't even let that thought come into our home. Our children were given to us from God himself. God gave you your children. That's your God-given right. It's a time to fight for your land. Claim them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave us a message tonight, Brother Matthew. As we prayed, I prayed at the prayer meeting. I wasn't there Monday night, last Monday night. Every one of your boys, we prayed at the foot washing. Prayed for your boys. Claim them. Why we come to church just to have a nice church? We come because God has given us a family and God knew our families and he knows the head of the homes of those families. Brother Darren, they're there. They're there. I claim them in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let no devil tell us anything other than that. This situation, what situation? There's not a situation Satan can't or God can't break of Satan. And I, I believe what I heard tonight. And I believe we've got strong daddies here. And we've got to take God at his word. And we will not be denied, Brother West. We will not be denied. We claim it in the name of Jesus. Did you love it? I love this. I, I'd like round two. Till we just get a real knockout punch on that devil. Punch him good. I claim every one of our children in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful, wonderful message we heard tonight. And I do not care, Lord, where Satan has taken our children. We fought for them. We'll fight for them. We'll, we'll come before the throne of grace. We'll stand at the altar. We will proclaim their names. And we will tell Satan by the word of God, give them back. They're ours by the word of the Lord. We're thankful for a messenger that gave us this promise under a token message. And we have trophies around this room that we can say our God is alive and well. Father, I pray for every unsaved child every backslidden child, every son and daughter that is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb whose name is written in the book. I ask God and send the Holy Spirit after their lives, Lord. Turn them around quickly, Lord. We believe for them. We ask for them. We call on them. On you to call on them. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you will continue to unveil and unfold your word to young men that are growing in the faith and are in the faith. Our precious brother Daniel, brother David standing here as a pastor. I pray you'll anoint us all, Lord, to take the word of God and claim our land in the name of Jesus Christ. 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know the master. I know the master. I know the master of the wind. been edified in the word of God tonight God be with you as we pray for one another if we have a Sunday we'll see you Sunday if not I'll see you in the rapture we can't lose can we heavenly places one way or another greet one another you're dismissed in Jesus name amen